Alright, welcome back to another recent episode of H2W's podcast, Zoomer's Take on Financial Independence, Retire Early. I'm one of your co-hosts, Derek, accompanied by Kevin and Andrew. And today is part two of Active Investing, where we're going to go a little bit more into details about a strategy called Fundamental Investing. And so we'll take a look about what that really means and breaking that out into qualitative and quantitative, as well as the things that fall under each category. But before then, we're going to pass it off to Kevin for an ad. Alrighty, welcome back. Uh, Alrighty. So- <laughs> <laughs> I can't say, yo, let me talk the way I want to talk, you know? Uh, anyways, my goodness, please control yourself. We're leaving this in, by the way. Um... <laughs> Yeah, so I guess today we're going to be talking about fundamental analysis, and um, by no means am I an expert, but I think this is probably, or at least figuring out what it is, I think it's pretty important actually um, being an active investor, right? Right. Because I think nowadays, or particularly when we're recording this, the market hasn't been so hot. It's actually had like a pretty long downturn, and I think time, I think times like this, I think it makes it hard to like not sell or want to sell. And kind of yeah. Um, yeah i don't know about you guys but i like feel like sometimes when i want to like readjust and like well sell my positions that's and, true well the thing is like it's only in the the tech in, uh the tech sector like the high growth areas yeah yeah because yeah. yeah. if you look at the s&p they're up what 16 percent year to date right oh okay so like but it's still been having like a couple bad weeks right a couple of days where it's been a little bit being... like like half a percent that's right. the s&p is moving like half a percent at a time but the the tech sector has been moving at like negative five to ten percent negative. <laughs> yeah, right. But I think this, particularly with fundamental analysis, um, will allow people to have like high conviction and hold stocks for a while. Well, that's the hope, right? So yeah, let's just jump into fundamental analysis. Um, there's a lot. I think it's a pretty broad thing. I don't also don't think it's like a monolithic thing that everyone mm-hmm. believes is like the same exact uh, thing. So. Maybe we can talk a little bit about some of the things that we look at um, when we choose to do that. Maybe a better question to start off is like, like, how did you get started with fundamental analysis or what are the first couple of things that maybe you encountered that made you want to look into what it is? Um, I can start. So for me, fundamental analysis was the easiest thing to get into just because of my background. We're like pretty technical people. Or like, mm-hmm. I'm a pretty technical person. Mm-hmm. So fundamental analysis just made sense. So looking at the numbers, looking at the business structure, and understanding how it worked together, uh, just made it easier to analyze these companies. Obviously, like, it isn't foolproof. Because like, some, sure. some companies look great on paper. But like, if you actually know the company you're looking at, they're like trash. They're kind of trash. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So at, for me, it was just like an easy way in. Yeah. Or like an under, like something that you I kind of understood. For me, I think I looked at active investing and like fundamental investing kind of the opposite. I, I thought it was like a lot more complicated because of all the possible complications and extra like statistics mm-hmm. or extra kind of research you had to do for like each company, you know, like you do it all for one and then you have to repeat that process and maybe like tweak it again for like a different company. So you wouldn't be able to like get exposed to a lot of different companies, whereas you pretty much spend a lot of your time just 
focusing on a handful. Mm-hmm. And so for me, that seemed kind of like too pro um, and too like expert level for me. So I, that's why I stuck with um, passive investing. Mm-hmm. But I'm very excited to like kind of hear more about what you would do if you were an active investor. Right. You know, some people can tell what company they're looking at or like what sector the company is part of just by looking at their, their fundamentals. Oh. No, no, no. <laughs> or their fun, like their financial statements. Yeah, yeah. Mostly their financial statements. It makes it really easy to understand like what kind of business model they have. Oh, wow. Yeah. I think um, particularly the people that, like Kevin said, who are analytical have a easier time doing this, but particularly one skill set I don't think I really had prior to like learning this was accounting. Oh, reading the financial reading, statements. Yeah, reading financial statements is no joke, man. It's like, it's like Excel. It's like Excel spreadsheets on like. Was okay. Was it like the terms that got you, or like? I mean, I think I think initially it was the terms, but after that, it was primarily just the way that things were laid out, and some mm-hmm. of some of the ways that they kind of calculate or use accounting as a way to make themselves look better. Yep, it's hard to tell, and I think it's um, maybe something like maybe more experts. Um, are better at looking at but for me when I look at a company and and look at their financial statements particularly like their balance sheets sometimes it's kind of hard to tell like what's what Mm -hmm. yeah yeah so let's dive right into kind of breaking this up like fundamental analysis generally it's breaking up by like things that are considered uh, qualitative and then also things that are quantitative right so Do we want to, so let's start with like qualitative, like what are some things, if you were to start looking at a company, what are qualitative factors you would want to consider? Right. Well, it's funny how we were just talking about all the, the stats and stuff, and now we're going to qualitative stuff. <laughs> like moving on. <laughs> so I think the first thing is like competition or competitive advantage. Mm-hmm. And I think oftentimes people call that moat. Um, and maybe a good way for someone who doesn't understand what the term moat means is um, adding on to the fact that it's kind of has to do with complication is if you think about um, a castle, like in the medieval, medieval ages, they used to dig trenches up around their uh, fortress mm. and add water in so that enemies um, would have a hard time basically um, getting to their uh, fortress walls. And so mm-hmm. right. in that same sense, when you have an advantage as a company, um, you make it easier for yourself to stay ahead and um, be ahead at times. So, yeah. Yeah. So what's an example of a company that has, like, a significant moat? Do you know? Derek, we're, we're, if you were, like, day-to-day life looking at companies, mm-hmm. what companies would you think would have, like, a pretty big moat? I would think, like, a lot of the household name companies that we associate with, like, a certain brand. Like, one that comes to mind is, like, Coca-Cola. Mm-hmm. It being just, like, there's a lot of other soda brands that are in its market, but kind of an international symbol of soda is like Coke mm-hmm. and like open happiness. And just, I think the way they've done that is through like their marketing, their branding, and just like associating all these, like, I think mostly it's through their marketing of just how they solidify that they are like the number one kind of go-to brand for this. And so in that sense, it kind of blocks off any other like knockoff brand that tries to come in mm-hmm. because they don't see the same level of success or traction as Coca-Cola. I think. Right. Has. Yeah, it's kind of like, um, like the, I think the other competitor you could think of is probably PepsiCo, right? Yeah. And I almost feel like that that area is predominantly just run by them too. So mm-hmm. you can consider that market of like sodas and stuff like a duopoly, right? 
So yep. like only two kind of um, competitors in that space. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And it generally seems that people who have significant votes and obviously the government intervenes if there's, uh, you know, antitrust uh, related to monopolies, but um, seems like they generally have the biggest vote because they have no competitors. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I guess the next one I, I'm thinking of is um, kind of like looking forward, right? I think when we think of companies today, we don't just buy their stocks just because they're doing well today. Mm-hmm. Hopefully we're buying them because we think that they'll perform just as well or even better in the future, right? So um, I guess the term to put that um, to put on that is market outlook. Mm-hmm. Um, I guess maybe some examples that um, I can think of right now is some of the tech companies. Kevin, I know like you're pretty like bullish on like Apple um, and like what they're doing and also like Amazon as well, right? Mm-hmm. Well, mostly Apple just because of their their move towards services. So being a service-based company allows you to grow a lot more. So it expands your market, right? Right. Because now you don't have to be producing hardware like they used to be. So mm-hmm. they used to be like limited by the supply of metals to build out their phones, uh, MacBooks and stuff. So now with uh, service-based stuff, their engineers just have to create it and they're done, right? And then everyone that owns an iPhone, then they're just going to they're gonna technically use it. Right? Yeah. And then they're going to be paying for it, like through a subscription cost or a subscription... Based model. Yeah, yeah, right, right, right. So, yeah. And then with Apple, they're like, I mean... Sorry to Android, but like they're the number one <laughs> Why player. Are you at me? <laughs> <laughs> they have their own mode. Well, yeah, yeah. Being yeah. a ecosystem, both of them really have their own mode. Mm. But I, I think Apple kind of has like a bigger wall. We're talking about market outlook, just to like <laughs> remember. We're just trying to measure. Yeah, that's true. That's true. people. <laughs> yeah. But they definitely have like they were the first mover, so they're the first one that entered the smartphone space. Um. And they're definitely leading the smartphone space. Sure. Like even like a lot of Android purists, right? They think that. Dude, I don't know why you keep on. I'm not an Android purist. You are. No, I'm not. I just, I just don't feel like I'm. I still, I don't feed into the Apple's market. Okay, okay. All those K drama leads are are Android purists. Okay. But like, if you look at their like their their phones, right? Like the the notch used to not be a thing. And my iPhone added a notch. It looks like the worst thing possible, but everyone adds a notch. So like Apple Samsung doesn't do a notch. Yeah, this, did anyone switch over to the, the whatever the the whole the, punch? Yeah, the whole punch design. Nope. <laughs> so I, obviously, uh, Samsung's not top dog. <laughs> Apple. I think I think to talk about like market outlook, I think a lot of the tech companies have a huge market outlook or currently they're being valued with a big outlook is because we're seeing this kind of transition into right. tech and how like literally tech is involved with every single company, even if you're not a tech company. Mm-hmm. Like Disney is like not even a tech company really. They are. But now that they are, right, with Disney Plus. Right. And traditionally, like, traditionally. Yeah, like, traditionally they're just like a theme park. Oh, and they make movies. Actually, honestly, honestly, yeah, entertainment. And then you can also say they're a branding company. Because they, I mean, they basically created all the copyright laws in the U.S. Right. Wow. No, so, oh, you know about that, right? No, I don't. They like, created copyright laws? Well, basically, so the 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 copyright laws that exist today are is mostly, mostly because, of, because of Disney's influence. So, like, the, wow. the expiration on a copyright, right? 
it used to be like 50 years, I think. I forgot the exact number, but we can look this up later. But now it's like 130 years. Wow. It's because Mickey Mouse was about to expire in terms of his copyright. <laughs> and, and they, they extended for that. Yeah. yeah. Nice. Oh, wow. I see. Or, or I guess like JP Morgan, right? Like they're oh, traditionally yeah. not a tech company. Right. They're right. just a financial service. Mm-hmm. But they're coming into that kind of space. Yeah. And so because of this, they're probably going to be leveraging other tech companies or using other tech software to mm-hmm. kind of enhance their own kind of products. And so I think with that, when you're talking about market outlook, it's like, what does this company provide to the world? Mm-hmm. And like, how relevant do you see it becoming? Right? right. So I think like the market outlook for Apple or any tech company is like probably a lot stronger than like the market outlook of like Chevron or like some kind of gas company right. using fossil fuels. Because I think for the general public, we feel that the market outlook for those companies are like diminishing. Right. Because we're moving to an eco-friendly world, right? Right. Right. Um, the next thing, next thing to look at is management and leadership. I think um, that particularly is an interesting one because um, it, for the most part, I feel like it's very more qualitative than the other ones, in my opinion, depending on like what you're looking for. Yeah. Also more, uh, more polarizing. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's probably a better word, actually. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like, some people are very like... On they want ends. like a CEO who's like... Well, it depends, straight. right? So like if you look at inside management, the biggest example is Tesla with Elon Musk. Oh, like people either love him or hate him, right? Right. So, like, as an investor, that means you probably love him. Also, sometimes investors hate him, right? Because he just says the he has just he so says much, the worst yeah. things sometimes. This is recorded <laughs> post to him saying that they're not taking Bitcoin and yeah, all he, that stuff. So. Like, he, he can manipulate anything he wants just by tweeting so because he knows he has that kind of. I don't. Well, he probably knows, but he's like, he like, has wow. to know. Every time yeah, he tweets, like, wow. Dogecoin goes crazy. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. And so I think that's um, that's a good example. I know, like, for example, we can kind of tell whether a company is doing well or not if they have an interim CEO, right? Like, Ooh. remember Boeing had, like, a, like, what is yeah. it? Yeah, Boeing had, basically, their CEO was going, or facing, like, Congress to mm-hmm. talk about the MAX issue. And then through that kind of transition of out of the company, and then we had an interim CEO, who I think now is just CEO. Like, he took that role, and he, he's holding on to that. And so, yeah, it's kind of like you can tell that if they're in like a shifting, like a phase change between their company or like management's getting shifted up. Mm-hmm. And generally that's due to some kind of event that involves right. a company, either good or bad, right? Yeah. If like a new CEO is coming in or like old ones transitioning mm-hmm. out. And this influences a lot of people's like investment strategies, right? Because yeah. like if your thesis was like, Bowie's you like his vision, year, right, right, right. Then, then you would be invested in the company. Same with Elon Musk. I think the right. like Tesla stock would just tank the moment Elon. Someone left. else kind of. Or steps it, in. it didn't have to be someone else. If Elon gets hurt, yeah. Like anything like is like life altering for him, it definitely affects the Tesla stock trajectory. Oh yeah. So it's um it's pretty scary almost to think that one person and like whatever they do or like whatever happens to them can affect mm-hmm. your retirement right. potentially. You know. Yeah, but it's important for like the entire business, right? Because their their vision and their leadership is what got the business there. Right. right. But those are all the qualitative or yeah, qualitative stuff. Yes. Right. Because yeah. we don't know to what extent right. that plays in each company. Right. And sometimes like even like I think Apple's a great example where are actually yeah. not just mm-hmm. Apple, Microsoft, mm-hmm. um, where new CEOs come in and they actually grow the business even even more. Even more, yeah. Yeah. Um, I think Microsoft's the best example, right? Yeah. yeah. Well, <laughs> best example of both right 
Right. Because sure. like the moment Bill Gates left, Steve Ballmer came in. Mm-hmm. The company kind of tanked for a few years. Not to, not his fault completely, but yeah. like his leadership wasn't there. A lot of people questioned it. And then Satya came in after him. And, then, sure. and now the company is like going crazy. Yeah, I think so. Satya was like, um, he was like the head of Azure. And then when he mm-hmm. moved in as CEO, he kind of like moved Microsoft's business um, trajectory towards and wanting to grow Azure. Yeah. They did pretty well because of that. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. So like they, the leadership is super important. Like even in my opinion. Yeah. Like when I look at companies, usually I look at CEO first to see if like they have the proper vision for the company and then... I actually start digging into the financials, but wow, yeah. Would you say like out of all the qualitative stuff, like that is the most important, or like would you say like market outlook, their note, general? Oh, it's hard. It's hard. Yeah, but uh, CEO and management is definitely the first thing I look at. Okay, and then I become interested in that company, and then I look at the rest. I see. To go off of that, I think CEO almost sets the future, like market outlook, and they oh, also right. set the future mode. I yeah. feel like that way. So. I think I agree with Kevin in that. Like, that's probably kind of going to set the other things. Right. I agree. Yeah, because they probably have a huge amount of say. Yep. As to where that direction is. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I think those are, that's a good amount of, I think, uh, qualitative fundamentals. There's obviously a lot more. And I think um, if you look online and look at fundamental analysis, um, they're going to have plenty of resources. And I think at one point, we're probably going to come up with some kind of formula or, um, some some um you know template for you guys to kind of look at and kind of you know filter through your stocks through um yeah why don't we jump into the quantitative fundamentals then right so this is my favorite part yeah the technical yeah the technical gritty no, well, i don't like technical investing but you know technical pull out your abacus technical, not technical <laughs> investing it's, it's technical analysis yeah technical yeah. analysis to, to trade yeah yeah to trade <laughs> i don't i don't know okay but anyways back to the financials so some of the financials that matter to some people right because like these could be these could vary depending on sector and industry so the one thing that everyone refers to like nowadays i feel like is pe ratio so with like tech companies what does that mean what is PE ratio ratio? oh yeah okay so if you guys listened to our like previous episodes we actually talked about pe ratio before (laughs) andrew actually got it wrong for a little bit but it's (laughs) (laughs) okay it's price to earnings so it's the ratio of their their stock price to the uh-huh. net earnings. Huh? Uh-huh. Yeah, it is. It is. You got it wrong this time too. Is it not? It's market cap. Oh yeah, it's market cap. Market Wait, cap. no, it's pri- yeah, yeah, it's market, market cap. cap. Market, market cap. cap. You're right. You're right. You're right. Andrew. One okay. two one. One two one. Andrew. So yeah. So price earnings. So usually, like, like analysis, like value investors like to say that. Um, a good PE ratio is between like twenty five. No, like, no, no, that's too high. I think it's really lower than that. So I think it's like thirteen. Anything yeah. below thirteen. So like really the, the, the I, legacy or like the standard company where you're talking about banks or like these institutions that have existed and will mm-hmm. exist. I mean, that's the idea that they're gonna continue to exist. Right. Um, they're actually priced around thirteen. Like if you look at banks, like um, I don't know about I haven't looked at American banks, but. Um, I know CIBC, the Canadian Imperial Bank, or yeah, yeah I forgot the exact thing. CIBC, BMO, oh, British Columbia, uh, it's not Canada, Bank of Canada, or something. <laughs> uh, R- Royal, uh, Royal Bank of Canada, RBC, um, they float around thirteen ish. Um, really, that's so low, right? But mm. then, I mean, these are value stocks, right? Right, right. But right. then that means like you're expecting like literally no growth. They're not growing. I mean, yeah. they're not gonna be growing, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, 
Okay, so like growth value companies around like twenty five to thirty five, from mm-hmm. what I've been hearing. Sure. Right. Wow. Nice. Wait, like, give an example of that because I think someone like but my listen might not have an idea what that is. Twenty five to thirty five P ratio. Apple. Apple's at that. Yeah. Apple is what twenty eight. Apple's around twenty eight. Yeah, which Probably is pretty good. Change by the time they listen. Yeah. See, that's the thing. It changes so quickly because like the price just changes, but. 28? Wow, that's pretty good. So Apple's yeah. trading at a 28 PE. So basically, they're trading at 28 times their earnings. Earning. Yeah. So just to clarify, because I think when people think of earnings, it's kind of hard to like think about like what exactly it measures against. But from my understanding of it, basically, earnings represents their profit. So how much money they made um, mm-hmm. after they had to cut their expenses. Yeah. Um, and I believe it's measured... Man, I, this is where I'm getting confused. I believe it's measured with the prior quarter prior quarter yeah yeah prior quarter yeah and so i mean um, they only release financials every quarter so you can't really do it live right but then there's something called forward pe right oh yes but that's projected value like right. projected, projected earnings yeah, yeah. right, right. Mm-hmm. based on today's prices uh-huh. so um that's just something to look out for you might you probably see that if there's someone who is looking into growth stocks you might honestly see like well it's negative but probably like like zero PE, non-active PE ratios. And you might think to yourself, like, why would I invest in something that doesn't even have any earnings? Not yep. even profitable. But you'll probably figure out why people are pricing it. At that point. Right. And that's also why, like, sometimes people don't even look at PE. Like, if you're, like, a real, I mean, not a real, but, like, <laughs> you qualify whether you're a real yeah, investor yeah. or not. So if you're, like, a growth investor, you're usually not looking at companies that have earnings yet. Yeah. usually because like they're growing yeah they're growing so they, they they're starting out with a loss because they're reinvesting in themselves so technically all of that is listed as an expense sure so it's gonna look like they make nothing so then some people like to look at their like price to revenue ratio which is a little is more about how much they're making every quarter i see like it's the top line instead of the bottom line well i was gonna i was gonna point out like tesla right because their p ratio is like I just checked, which is like 680. Yeah, because they're making very little profit. Right? <laughs> which is insane yeah. compared to like any of the ranges that we just listed out for growth or mm-hmm. value. Right. But if you like, yeah, but if you stick to that, you would have missed like Tesla's whole run for the past year and a half. But their PE wasn't that high. Yeah, it was. Right? It was higher. It was, it was infinite. Because oh, it, it was negative. Was <laughs> <laughs> they weren't profitable, so. Yeah, yeah. They didn't make any money. They didn't make any money until what? Last April. So this is the thing. It's like if you're looking at that number, um, once they become profitable and people are catching on and the people are pumping the price up a little more, you're going to see crazy PE ratios, right? Yeah. But then at the same time, it's, I mean, it, there's nothing relative to compare it to, right? Because it's right. so fast growing. Right. Yeah. Um, Usually, I think PE is more a better metric for older companies. Better so companies for more matured. Longer. Yeah, more mature companies. It's not as volatile. Yeah. Yeah. It's not even about volatility. It's just like PE doesn't make sense with growth, like really fast growing companies. Mm, I guess that that makes sense because like I guess some of these statistics that we're talking about are different for each industry and also mm-hmm. like the stages of each company. Like if it's right. in its R and D phase, kind of we already kind of talked about that. Like mm-hmm. if it's in a growth phase, where mm-hmm. it's been more kind of established and just right. kind of sitting there. Yeah. Well, that is sitting there. Like Apple's not just been sitting there. Right. right. That's they've true. been developing out like a bunch of their services mm-hmm. and they have a 20 ap i think that's undervalued for so then that, that either means yeah like a lot of people are just overlooking apple or but they're also a very large company they were mm-hmm. two point maybe they went got less but maybe became less i mean two trillion they're around a two trillion dollar company which is jack the world's largest yeah the world's largest 
Yeah. Um, the other things that some people like to look at is their gross margin. So a lot of tech companies have great gross margins. Just because... So what is gross margin? Gross margin is what's... It's the revenue minus the the uh, the cost of goods. So whatever oh, you right. put in to make that specific product that mm-hmm. you're selling. So like for tech companies who just create software, <laughs> so then your your cost is human capital, right? Yeah. So then your margins are insane. So like um, recently I've been looking into Facebook, right? Their their gross margins around eighty percent, which is disgusting. Wow. Right, and then if you're looking at in comparison, let's give a comparison of like, um, like a, like a, like a restaurant. Their margins might be like fifteen to twenty percent. So if you're, because like they have food costs, right, cost of goods. So, food, they have employees, they have rent. Wait, wait. So it's a percentage. So like basically, like that percentage means how much of their revenue they get to keep. Mm-hmm. Right, right, right. I see. Okay. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Yeah. So they're keeping eighty percent of their revenue. Yeah. Okay. And I think that determines scalability, right? So mm-hmm. when you have a really low gross margin, it means that for you to be able to grow significantly, you're going to have to allocate that much more to producing that many more goods, right? Right. Oh, I see. Right. Yeah. And so that's why tech companies can give crazy compensation because the margins are crazy, right? Yeah. This is my, I always say this to people. It's like, if you want to go into an industry that pays you well, look at look at what their average margin is for where mm-hmm. they're selling, right? Yep. The tech companies are making, they're paying you well because their margin's also crazy. Yeah. I see. So, because they have nothing to pay for, right? They're only paying for you. Yep. And maybe rent. Nowadays, not even rent. Maybe your computer. <laughs> maybe your computer, which is like maybe a thousand. That's crazy. Yeah. I never, no one ever told me that. Yeah. <laughs> when I mean, I like, for like college. Boeing, for example, like they have to straight up make the plane. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. They sell a physical product. Yeah. Right. Physical product. That costs a lot for materials, assembly, right. all that stuff. Right. I mean, storing that gigantic thing in a yeah, like, car. Yeah, think about all the land they need. Yeah. So like, they're renting that or like they bought the land. Mm-hmm. So now that's like hitting their bottom line, right? So now you have to depreciate it. Taking away from yeah. their revenue. Right, right. Keep. right. So like they can't do anything to pay you more. Uh, that explains mm-hmm. why like all the tech companies, like they have so like much free food. <laughs> the offices are nice. <laughs> Got, right. like... So all they care about is making sure like whatever the expense of like the human capital is continues to be like, um, what is it? Uh, what's the word when fixed. it's not fixed, but when it's like performing at its price better, you know, I don't know what the right word is. <laughs> Optimal. Yeah. Optimizing it. But there's another word we're using. We're using. Yeah. Jeez. Margin growth. anyways but it's basically just optimizing right that cost yeah right so make they pay you eighty thousand, but they want you to work like kind of like even better for the Mm. getting paid eighty thousand. right right right. and then that's the other thing it's like a whole like flywheel where since you have so much margin you just get to reinvest it so now like for a tech company you can reinvest yeah that's what I say. it's kind of like an avalanche effect like, right it's just putting them yeah, even, yeah, yeah, even yeah. further ahead yeah, yeah. because they're retaining people because of that and then also they have so much extra cash right. right so they can either invest in better talent so now they can pay even more to get like the <laughs> oh, best shoot. people to come to their company or they can like move into other sectors like amazon does with like like all their new products right they do all the amazon basic yeah. products that people have said about so, <laughs> <laughs> they just move into those sectors without doing anything Right. now they they have money from like their their software side mm-hmm. so yeah and that all comes from gross margin yeah 
That's amazing. pretty cool. Yeah, it's amazing. You can look at that and you can kind of gauge like how much they could reinvest and you're hoping they reinvest, right? Because some companies, I mean, they just give yeah, all that money to, yeah, they just pay out. <laughs> yeah. Buy back stocks. Or they have, they can do all, all of the above. They the can book. just do everything. That's true. That's true. I mean, Apple does all yeah, the above. Yeah, I, was about to say, I don't yeah. know how they do that, but. Yeah. All right. Um, next thing to consider is stock performance. So this one's, I think, um, I think relative to what you're looking at. I think Kevin mentioned how growth stocks, uh, particularly high growing stocks, they're Stock performance, um, it, it might really not matter that much, I think. So um, maybe we can talk a little more about um, companies that have been matured, matured a little more. Looking at Apple, I think like we can look at it against um, the last past, past five years performance. And I know it's kind of short-sighted because I know that you know we have been in a, not a tech bubble, but definitely a market that's dominated, dominated by tech, right? Um, but I know for sure when we look back at the five-year performance, it's way beat the S&P 500 index, right? Yeah. If anything, it's been carrying the S&P 500 index. <laughs> yeah. And um, <laughs> like last past five years, it's, I mean, for the most part, I, I can't really think of it at the top of my head, but um, it's in a growth trajectory, right? Right. And so um, I don't know, you know, past results don't necessarily indicate future, uh, you know, results as well, but I think um, it has a it, it has its place when you think about whether you want to buy or not. Right. Usually it correlates, right? Because then if it's the same management, same people leading the company, same like if they're growing at a consistent rate, right? Because you gotta look at some. If you look at the financials, like in the previous section we were talking about, you can kind of see how their margins are performing year over year, right? So if they're consistently being grow, yeah, exactly. like if it's consistently growing year over year. And you know they're the probably margin? no no just like oh just yeah, like their just, revenue yeah revenue yeah, right, whatever right, right. whatever value i mean they're consistently growing right like, so i was confused i was margin like, year over year like, what the hell are they doing <laughs> they'd be crazy but yeah so if you can see them consistently and doing the same thing then you're gonna be like you can track the stock performance over the years and then like an analyst are gonna do the same thing right so then they'll push up the stock at the same rate as it was going on like before that so when we're looking at like five year performance or even 10 years or like the life of the company, it's mm -hmm. important because whenever you look at it, just a snapshot of like a quarter or like a specific company's like financials at that time, mm -hmm. it, it could be good like on paper, but then you need to see it in comparison to like how it, it has done in the past. Like is right. it in a, in a forward trajectory or is it kind of already on this way down? Or right. plateauing, right? Yeah. yeah. Or, or if you feel like it's already plateauing. Mm -hmm. But then, I and I even don't, <clears throat> not only that, it's like, if you, like, if you look at it quarterly, then you end up looking at it in the short term, right? Yeah. And then that might be affected by short term, anything like news. Yeah. So like right now we're having the whole like inflation, inflation. talk, right? Yeah. Right. And that's affecting the whole stock market. And, but then if you look at Apple's financials last quarter, they were amazing. Like, a lot, amazing. Actually, a lot of the tech companies were doing amazing this last quarter, right? Right. So, like, if you looked at the actual financials, you're like, oh, wow, they did amazing. But then the stock kind of took a dive. Yeah. And it's, like... Uncorrelated. To yeah. The is, it, is it because the company performed badly? Is it something they're doing wrong? Or is it just the stock market acting up? Right. And I think one thing to note is that depending on the industry, depending on the company, um, you'll actually see difference in, like, each quarter won't be the same, even though 
nothing significant has changed, right? Yeah. Um, particularly with auto sales, I know right. that's um, one that gets affected by which quarter mm-hmm. it is because mm-hmm. people are buying cars at different times of the year. Yeah. Right, right. That um, makes sense. So that's yeah. also one thing to note. It's probably going to be very different for each industry. Yep. Like yeah. for cars, I know Q4 is the best and then Q1 is the worst because no one's buying cars at the beginning of the year. But everyone's buying cars at the end of the year. Because right. they're and trying to, yeah. The refresh. Yeah. The new oh, it's not even the refresh. Really? You know why? Why? Because uh, some cars are tax write-offs, right? So they're finishing the so, taxable year with a tax write-off. Wow. But can they have done that? Even if that can't be, be that can't be if that can't affect like cars it's, that it's much. big enough. Sometimes it's that's, big enough. That's, that's, that's wait, like an example, right? If it was like a refresh, right? right. If you look at Tesla, they shouldn't be affected by it because Tesla doesn't do refreshes yearly, but they still get affected by it. But although recently the Plaid models definitely their pre-orders and stuff was was happening in December, yes, but right because you were trying to they announced it they announced it yeah I think yeah although I think last year was not a good example for Tesla because Elon also did like the whole like you get the free full self driving right um if you order by whatever the end of the quarter was yeah yeah so you can bump up the numbers wow yeah but they know they know people are gonna be buying sure. at that time sure I see and. To basically like kind of sum up quantitative fundamentals, most of these kind of statistics or performance stats that we've been talking about are generally found on like a company's balance sheet or like if it's like a really common one, like PE ratio, like if you have like the watch, like the stocks mm-hmm. app, yeah, like you could open that and click into a company and generally if you look below, mm-hmm. like those common popular statistics are there. Yeah. Um, and then the one thing that I learned when I was starting to like research into kind of um, fundamental analysis for specific companies is that like every company has their own like investor relations oh yeah right right where you can like look up and then join That's if they're a public company though oh yeah well I mean, but then not, all you're not investing in them yeah i was like i must say all the companies on the new york stock exchange are public companies right oh yeah 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 yeah, yeah, yeah. yes 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 okay yeah because like someone just came in and they're like what is uh what's an example what is uh wendy's investor relations they're not gonna be able to find it oh i see okay so if they're a public company then they'll have their investor stock relations Mm -hmm. and you can go in there and then generally that's where they post their quarterly earnings Mm -hmm. or their quarterly reports Mm -hmm. and you can get all these statistics then like andrew said it is i think like when i first looked at it it's like what is this (laughs) it's like i never took accounting it is is. Yeah. yeah i think a good resource to always have open and like you have a different tab open when you're looking at it is Investopedia, because mm. you can look up those terms that you might not be familiar with and even formulas for you to kind of calculate yep. um, against. So, yeah. And well, and then there's also websites that kind of try to tabulate all of these already, like, mm-hmm. like alpha. Coifin, right? And Coifin, Coifin. Yeah. Yeah. So you can all look up those like dot coms at the end and then mm-hmm. they generally will kind of help you. Um, yeah. And I guess like to finally like sum up kind of fundamental analysis part two what are like common criticisms or cons or or things that you know this general investing strategy gets mm-hmm. i mean the main gripe right i we kind of went over it a little bit right. it doesn't work with uh extreme growth companies too well like it like you start throwing out metrics that usually matter Mm-hmm. Like you throw out PE because it doesn't matter anymore, or like and then you just like speculation. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Now you're throwing sure. out like net income because like oh that doesn't matter. You throwing out margin because that doesn't matter. Right, right. Because the only thing you care about is revenue at this point, right? Yeah. You want them to be growing, 
Um, but also just to say, like, right, I don't think that's a criticism of fundamental analysis. It just means that it doesn't work for some certain cases, like, like a limitation. Right? There's limitations to it, right? Yeah, that, that's a criticism. It, it's limited by like high growth. Sure, oh, okay. that could be considered. Sure. Yeah, yeah, criticism. sure, sure. Because like, well, also like different. Because uh, like some some investors that use fundamental analysis, they have very set numbers for everything. So like you guys kind of talk about how like banking should be a 13 right like that's like why are you only trading 13 for a high-growing bank company or like a well like i don't think jp morgan is uh priced at 13 yeah they're probably not yeah i have no idea we'll probably have to check but then like then another example like square is technically a bank and then you're (laughs) not gonna price square at a 13 it's arguable but yeah i just see what you're saying yeah um yeah, I agree. Um, I actually, think... actually, JP Morgan is at 13. <gasps> They're at 13? Yeah. Damn. 12.88. There's only so wow. much the bank can make money off of, right? With, like, intro- with inflation, they can make so with, much money. Even with inflation, like the amount of like, the amount of like money that they can truly make just like in terms of revenue source, it's just, in, just like what they're making money off of, which is like usually interest rates, right? Right. It's like not that much. Which is crazy, like you know, but it's the expenses that they have right, also right. correlates, right? Not if they're in virtual banks. Sure, sure. Mm-hmm. Um, I think one thing, maybe not a criticism, but maybe something that uh, that is kind of hard to work in with fundamental analysis is um, stock performance. And I know that technically speaking, um, you know, as as we look at stock performance, it should kind of correlate with the way that we see the company, right? If right. they're a good, solid company, they're making good money, they're growing, and, um, you know, there's, there's nothing in, that we see forward where, um, you know, that it, there's nothing bad, right? We would expect it to be performing, like, relatively well. And I think oftentimes they said there's not a correlation or there's a disassociation between the fundamentals of a company mm-hmm. and its stock performance. And I yeah. think this is what I brought up in the beginning, which was, like, when you really are convicted by the things that you've looked at regarding the fundamentals, mm-hmm. stock performance in the short term makes no should not make any difference to what you believe in, as long right. as those fundamentals don't change. Right. Got it. Yeah. Right. I but that's hard that. because, mm-hmm. um, like a previous episode about emotional investing, um, the ultimately for us, what really matters is when we sell, it better be higher than when we bought it, right? <laughs> yeah. Um, and I think that's kind of where we need to kind of. Um, readjust our mindset regarding to invest regarding investing and mm-hmm. uh, what this means for us right um there's a name for what you described it's kind of well kind of sure it's the efficient uh market hypothesis do you know what it means exactly i have an idea of what it is yeah yeah it sounds yeah. like you do so it's basically saying the market will price everything at their fair value right eventually eventually yeah, yeah. no right. always technically oh, always, always. A fair value. So, like, if a stock is performed badly, it's because it's their fair value. But be being a fundamental investor, what you're saying is that the market is not pricing it in at the right value. You're saying it's undervalued from where it should be, based uh, on the fundamentals of the company. See. So then, based on that difference, that's why you can make more gains than it's expected to have, based on the market. I see. I see. So that's kind of like that key in how do you beat the market? It's because right. you're finding these pockets. Well, you're saying those pockets exist, right? You're the, saying those yeah. The hypothesis is saying that it does not exist. I see. Which I think the hypothesis is bull, but <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I see. Nice. Any final thoughts before we close out? 
Um, no, I would just say if you're interested in more, uh, more different types of like analysis of stocks, just let us know which types of analysis that you guys find on the internet that you guys kind of want us to talk about. So like if you want to talk about stock options, if you want to talk about technical analysis, like our boy Andrew here, if you want to <laughs> talk about <laughs> you want to talk about I don't know momentum trading. So all these other types of like trading or even like investing styles that you guys want to talk about, just let us know like through an email, and then we'll try our best to talk about it. Yeah. Sweet. Sweet. We'll see you guys next time on the HGW podcast. Bye. Peace.